become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, we have a very special guest, David J. David's an international fashion photographer for over 20 years, actually, and has lived around the world, and really focused on capturing and sharing the beauty in the world, mostly of the human figure um, in the fashion world, often in landscapes and in exotic places in the world. And in recent years, he has moved into a project that actually happened a little bit by accident called the SCAR Project. And we're going to learn a lot about that today. David, welcome to the show. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks for having me on today. Well, it's great to have you here. And so tell us, where are you today? I am at the moment standing in my studio in uh, New York, New York, and uh, looking over the corner of Christie and Delancey Street. Ooh. A very kind of gritty but beautiful area around here. Yeah, very I bet. vibrant and uh, having a yeah kind of a renaissance in the neighborhood, and I've been here about oh six years. I've been going back and forth between Australia and here. Oh, so you're living part time in both places, huh? Yeah, I have been. I've actually been in Australia most of the last twenty years after being born and raised in Oakland, and uh, the last six been going back and forth between yeah, Sydney and New York City, and I've just recently this past year given up my flat. In Sydney, so now I'm full time committed to New York City. And oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Terrific! That's terrific. So you, um, well, so first let me let me in in the spirit of full disclosure, I have to share this with people. So David and I have known each other for a zillion years. And I'm not going to tell you how many years because that would just you know reveal our age, but it's just say a zillion. <sighs> We were children when we met, and actually our parents were friends. And, um, you know, as we grew up, we did family things together and um, got to know each other a little bit. And my memory of you, David, is about what a gentle spirit you had. And I remember always being aware of that, even though you were very active and, you know, you were a boy and, you know, just all kinds of things. And I remember you diving into your parents' pool and... (laughs) You know, all of that. And, you know, it's just so inspiring to me to have known someone as a child and to see, you know, how they have chosen to live their life. I'm always curious about that. And you certainly inspire me. And I know our listeners will be as we move toward, you know, into this story further. So, so just to, to say, you know, we, we go way back. 
Yes, we do, and yeah, and and thank you for saying all that. That's uh, that's really kind, um, and it, it's mutual. It, it's fantastic to see what you're doing with this uh, with this show, and I'm quite honored, you know, to be on it myself. And uh, uh, yeah, really pleased to have, that we have a chance to reconnect like this and and, and discuss the Star Project. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. So, you know, I was um, moved to actually ask you to be on the show, uh, and we hadn't spoken for years and years, and we'd kind of lost touch, gone our ways. And um, I was moved as I learned about the SCAR project and saw what you were doing and thought, this is something that we have to talk about. This is something that we have to get out. I have to help you with this. That's really how, you know, what, what I was struck by. So let's start, though, with just the whole concept of photography and where you found your interest in that. How did you start doing fashion photography? Yeah, you know, I uh, I have no formal training whatsoever. I was, to be honest, I was... Uh, basically kicked out of uh, high school in the 10th grade in, in Oakland, California. I uh, ended up having to go back and finish the last two years in, a, in another county. I really just wasn't, um, I just really didn't have the personality type for kind of traditional academia, I suppose. But I've always been autodidactic, I guess is the word. And uh, that being just I'm fascinated by a million different subjects, and outside of the classroom, I'm able to kind of immerse myself in them 24-7 if, if I'd like. And uh, that, photography was one of those subjects. I fell upon it as a little kid. And uh, in fact, when I was in grammar school, my only actual uh, photography class and my introduction to photography was in Redwood Heights, Junior, uh, Redwood Heights Grammar School in Oakland. And we had uh, a teacher, the fourth grade teacher, Mr. Sagan. It'd be amazing if he was listening to this. Um, <laughs> and uh, he uh, he was obviously, I, I recognize now, he was obviously an amateur photographer. And he took it upon himself back then to introduce his his pupils uh, to one of his, you know, to one of his passions, and that was photography. And uh, back in the day, he took, a, I think he must have overtook a coat room or something and turned it into a little dark room. Oh, and wow. he, had all of, uh, yep, he had all of us, uh, the, all the students one day bring uh, shoe boxes. And from those shoe boxes, we made pinhole cameras. And oh, wow. I was familiar with a pinhole camera. Most people kind of are a little bit. Uh, basically, you just uh, literally put a pinhole in the front of the shoe box. And in the dark, you insert a piece of uh, uh, print film in uh -huh. the back. And uh, you cover up the little hole in front. And then you put it uh, facing your subject, whatever it is you like to photograph. And you basically just uncover the pinhole. And you leave it uncovered for... I don't know, a minute or so. And uh -huh. that basically creates an image in the world's simplest camera. You put your finger back over the pinhole, go back into the dark room, uh, take the piece of print paper out and stick it in the developing chem chemicals. And up comes a rather blurry but very recognizable image. <laughs> and that was my first, um, that was my first kind of, uh, introduction to photography. And I, it, really impacted me and it never I never got it out of my system and I've basically been doing it ever since wow. and that was really so thank you Mr. Sogan for introducing me something that to something that's uh, completely changed my life well you know and that that's a beautiful story and I 
it really underscores one of my beliefs, which is teachers have such an impact, and so they are so powerful in a child's life. And I do believe that we often um, diminish the possibility of the power teachers have. And so there it is, once again, proof of how, you know, here you are, you still remember his name. Yes, and he's probably one of the only ones I do. Not only that, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think today, um, you know, still even knowing what we know, we still try to force uh, everyone, yeah. all yeah. all manner of children, to learn things in a very specific way and to learn very specific things that historically have been thought to apply to kind of a, you know, a greater education. And unfortunately, they, it just doesn't work for everyone. That type of traditional classroom situation, traditional academia, just doesn't work for everyone. And I was one of those people who it didn't work for at all. I could not get a word out of my mouth. I just was completely stifled and terrified, basically, in class. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So um, thank you, Mr. Sogan, once again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, so you moved into photography. Yeah. Um, where was your first professional job? Well, I tell you, I um, I had no, growing up in Oakland, I had absolutely no interest or even any knowledge of fashion photography, that's for sure. Um, that's the farthest thing, of, uh, farthest thing out of my mind growing up in Oakland. Right. Um, I primarily just did kind of gritty black and white street photography and... Uh, or, or anything that kind of captured my imagination or that I just thought looked interesting to shoot. Never fashion. And I ended up in Europe years later in my, uh, in my early 20s. And I had a girlfriend at the time who was this Finnish fashion model. We were together for a few years. She was this beautiful, beautiful girl. And it never even crossed my mind to take her picture. It's just not what I did. So here she was in all these uh, amazing fashion magazines being shot by all these people. And uh, all these famous photographers, and occasionally I would see these pictures in the magazines, and they just wouldn't be—they wouldn't be flattering. They wouldn't be—they wouldn't. This wouldn't be good. And I, you could just take one look at her and know you could get a beautiful picture of, of her, just because in person she was so beautiful. And uh, I don't know. I guess I complained about that one too many times. And <laughs> finally, one day she said to me, "All right, listen, look." Listen to me, Mr. Big Shot Photographer. Let's see what you can do. And I said, all right. So, uh, yeah, I pulled out my camera, and she put a face full of makeup on, and we were uh, we were staying in this pensione in, in Milan, Italy, and I uh, went up behind this pensione, and I brought the camera up to my eye, and it was just... It was just so obvious the way things were working when she would turn this way or that way, and suddenly everything would fall into place, this beautiful angles on her face and kind of in harmony with the background and what she was wearing. And, you know, we spent about an hour out there and got the film process. This is way before digital. And... uh Presto, uh, the front of her card, you know, the model has a composite that she hands out to everyone at a casting. Right. And this, this first picture I took um, ended up on the front of her card. To make a long story short, she said, oh, that's just beginner's luck. But I said, yeah, you're probably right. And we kept shooting. And pretty soon half her portfolio was taken wow. by all these famous, uh, famous photographers. And the other half was taken by me. Um, and one day, uh, her agency called up and said, you know, do you think David would like to shoot some of the other models? And Lena, the girlfriend, looked at me and just said, it's for you. And uh, <laughs> that was, 
<laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, you're going to pay me to take pictures of these beautiful girls? You must be crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and that was the beginning of, of my career. And I spent, uh, I realized that there, there was something really intriguing about it. And, and I, I just, I, there was something I could see, you know, that was just this obvious, I don't know, beauty, I, I suppose. And uh, that was clear to me, but perhaps not obvious to everyone else, I guess. Right, and, uh, right. Well, and, and that is I, what I, makes makes photographers distinct from one another, right? I mean, when we... I, I think so, yeah, yeah. because it, I didn't understand why it was special then at all, because I did find it... It was so clear when I had the camera up to my eye what when it was when it looked right, and would people would say, "Wow, that's that's so cool!" And those that's you know those are amazing pictures and this and that and um, and I was just kind of dumbfounded. I said, "You know, anyone can do this. Just pick the camera up and look at your subject and have her move this way and that way, and it's a bit of a dance with the subject, and you'll see suddenly it'll all line up, and then you click the shutter, boom, and then you do the yeah. dance again, and then you click it again." But I guess I've come to learn that everyone doesn't see that when they look in the camera. Right, which, right, right, which right. still surprises me because it's, I don't know, I think we also, people don't give them, themselves a chance, you know? I think we, we kind of diminish our own potential by assuming we can't or by assuming we don't have this talent when, in fact, perhaps we all do if we would spend a moment, you know, investigating it. Next time you have a camera, hold it up to your face, hold it up to your eye for a while. Don't just click. Look through there. Yeah, yeah. And see what yeah. you see. Yeah, you know, I think that's fascinating because, um, you know, everybody has a camera these days, and usually yes. it's on their, connected to their phone. And, yes. um, and, and, you know, the kinds of photos that are coming out of that, you know, on occasion there's something, wow, that's amazing. And most of it is just kind of like, well, okay, you know, here we are at the restaurant. And, yes. um <laughs> Yeah, which you know, in some ways is is I, I suppose it's connecting people, but I also think that there's a whole issue around you know connection, but not relationship. You know, um, yes. But but that's a whole other topic. So, but one of the things I see in your photos is the relationship you have with the image or with the individual in the photograph right there in that moment. And that comes through so clearly. And I, I really do think that not everyone has capacity for that. You know, maybe if they um, studied it or learned more about how to do that, okay. However, I don't think that's about the camera or the technique. I think that's about the photographer and kind of, you know, getting centered and clear and being willing to let the image be what it is. Yes, I, I mean that's that's absolutely correct, Cheryl. I, the, people put so much emphasis on the, on the camera and the, and the technique, and I can just I can tell you it is the least important thing in photography. The only thing that matters is this connection and this openness to to see. That's in all of life, I suppose, not just in photography. I'm just being that open is and connecting true. with your yeah, connecting with your subject just and 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 allowing yourself to you know, to see what's in front of you and, and trying to get out of the way of the a picture a little bit and perhaps not imposing yourself on the image. I think that's what I've tried to do with the Scar Project as well is make sure that I'm not imposing my signature on on these subjects. That I've just tried to get out of the way and just tried to catch 
capture the purity of their spirit, you know, the purity of their soul. Right. And, uh, and perhaps that's, that's what you see. And I think if I've been, if I have any gift as a photographer, it's certainly not my technique or my skill as a photographer. There's a million better photographers than myself. If I've been given any gift at all, it's that people trust me and they trust me behind the camera. They trust that I'm going to, to take care of them, I suppose, behind yeah. the camera, that, that they, they feel safe. And there's, a, I think, a beautiful human connection that, um, you know, and I feel it too. I, I, it's sincere. I, I want to connect with them, and yes. it, has to, it has to be, and that's what's going to come across in the pictures. And it Hopefully. does, and it's interesting that you say, you know, a lot of it is not imposing your signature on the subject, and in fact... That is what has allowed you to actually have a signature, you know, which is, I think, an interesting paradox. Um, because yeah. your photographs really do have, a, there is, is some sort of resonance that shows up yeah, as I look through all your photographs. I mean, it's a very clear that it's a David J. photograph. Yeah, you know, this is what I was also going to say. And, and as a fashion photographer, which is what I've been doing for the last you know twenty something years, you you have to have a style. You have to have a signature. A signature, and and sure. I do. And it is. Um, I don't try to do that. It's just right. what what comes up. But with the with the scar project, I really made a concerted effort to really get out of the way. I didn't want to impose my signature on it at all. Um, I didn't want it to look like, you know, photographs by David J. I, right, I really right. wanted to take myself completely out of the picture of the SCAR project. So when you look at them, the last thing you would ever think about is who took the picture or what was right. this person thinking or right, what was the right. interaction between the two. I really, right. I'd like to think I didn't even shoot it in my own style. Um, for that purpose, but in fact, I guess you can't get away from mm-hmm. who you are or what you well, see. That's you know? true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, well, no matter, and the no star project—there you, you are. There, that, wherever you go, there you are. I'm right with you, David. And yes. the star project is uh, what we're going to talk about in the next segment. Um, and it's a fabulous project focusing on breast cancer. And um, we'll be right back, and we'll talk about the scar project.
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Are you happy with the management and leadership style of your organization? Do you think it could use some improvement? No matter the level of leadership at your organization, you'll be sure to learn something new when you tune in to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Through a unique lecture and interview format, we'll bring you ideas, questions, and answers that will help you run any organization, whether for-profit or not. Listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my special guest today, David J., international fashion photographer and founder of the SCAR Project. So, David, you mentioned at the end of the last segment um, the SCAR Project, and the SCAR Project is related to breast cancer. And you were inspired to create this and, and to move toward this um, when an event occurred in your life with a very special friend. So why don't you tell us about the genesis of this? Yes, well, as I said, I had been living in Australia for most of the past 20 years. And for a majority of that time, I was with a girl, my girlfriend, partner, whatever we want to call it. And uh, she has an identical twin named Paulina. And I've known them since they were 17. I was much younger than <laughs> two. So, uh, and we all kind of grew up together in a, in a fashion and Elsa the, uh, and I lived together and Paulina was, you know, part of our family being the identical twin. Uh, just before I moved to New York about six years ago, Paulina, uh, at the age of 29 was diagnosed with breast cancer. And within about two weeks of diagnosis, they had done a mastectomy and to say it was shocking would be a severe understatement. You know, Paulina, first of all, I had no idea, probably like most people, that 
women were even getting breast cancer in their 20s. In my yeah. head, and I think in most other people's head, it's it's kind of your mother or your grandmother's disease. Right. Certainly not an right. incredibly healthy, you know, uh, vivacious, sporty, uh, you know, young Australian woman of 29. You know, Paulina was the last person I would ever think would get a cold, let alone get breast cancer. Right. But and sure enough, she did. And uh, you know, it. it she had just gotten married and just had the child at the time, and it was pretty devastating. It's a pretty devastating disease. And, uh, you know, I had shot, Paulina used to be a model, and I had taken her picture hundreds of times, you know, since she was 17. And, you know, when they did that, when they did the mastectomy and removed her breast, I, I just said to her, listen, I have to take your picture again. And she said, I know. So I dragged her in the studio in Sydney, just a pair of jeans and no shirt, and took this kind of beautifully disturbing portrait of her with this deep red scar across her chest where her breast used to be. And I I can't say exactly why I took it. I didn't have any specific intention except that perhaps as a photographer, that's how I deal with my my own issues, you know, by photographing yeah. a little bit and, and you just, you kind of capture it and you're forced to, you're forced to recognize it and to, and to deal with it. But I didn't have any, there was no greater intention than that. And it hadn't even crossed my mind what Paulina would get out of the process. But after we were through shooting, you know, she said to me, perhaps you'd be interested in shooting some of the other girls that I've gone through chemo with, they're also chemotherapy. They're also in their 20s. And she said, I think you might find it interesting to shoot. And she said, I think they might also get something out of it for themselves. And it was really the first time I had thought that the process is something that could impact both parties. And, uh, and, and so I did. I photographed two more young women in their 20s in Australia, both uh, had had mastectomies. Uh, you know, during their 20s, and the SCAR project was born. Wow. You know, it's interesting because what I'm hearing from you is you simply followed your intuition. You just moved toward um, what was emerging in you, what mattered in that moment. And it sounds like Paulina also did that. You know, she trusted you because, you know, she'd known you for years and also knew that your intention was good, and there was something of possibility in this. Um, You know, I I love that um, you actually turned this into a project. When did you know you had a project? Yeah, I I didn't know I had a project. And even with those first three pictures, there was still no future intention. It was purely just for the just for the moment, just taking the pictures, just the the interaction, you know, was was enough. You know, just shooting the the women and and having that one on one interaction, and then having them be kind of exposed, yeah. not just to me, not just to the camera, but to themselves as well. And and having to really, it's this moment of acceptance for the subjects, and that's something I've come to learn. But we can get to that. In a moment, how it turned into the SCAR project, as I said, I was just about to move to New York at that time, 
And uh, I had already located a studio and signed a lease for it here in New York. And I came back to New York and I had these, uh, I was sitting in a cafe with a couple of friends and basically having this discussion, you know, what, and they were saying, what, what were you doing in uh, Australia this trip? And I said, well, check this out. And I pull out my phone and I have these three pictures on my phone that I had taken, not with my phone, but with a yes. camera. <laughs> and uh, and uh, three pictures of these, you know, these three women with, uh, you know, pretty radical mastectomies. Yeah. And they just took one look at those and said, oh, my God, you have got to, to continue with that. There's something... There's something very special going on there, and uh, I, we kind of had a chat about it, and that was the beginning of the SCAR project. That's when I knew that basically I had to continue doing it. Wow. And I wasn't, at the time, I wasn't, I wasn't exactly sure what the value of it was. In the beginning, I didn't know, A, if anyone in America or anyone besides the three girls in Australia would actually want to have their picture taken. Hi. And B, I didn't know if anyone would want to look at the pictures after they were taken. I had absolutely no idea. I just knew that there was something really powerful about them, and and the whole experience was powerful, both for, you know, subject and photographer. And, you know, just from the first, just from the first uh, viewing by my friends on a, on a little screen of a, a BlackBerry, I, I could tell it impacted them as well. You know, you you can't look at them and not be impacted. Right. Well, and that was certainly my experience as I looked at the, the photographs um, that have been published and have hung in art galleries. And, um, you know, I, I am so amazed at how this has evolved and and the... Um, the I, well, the bigness of it all, you know. I mean, the, yeah. I, I remember seeing, uh, and I wish I could remember where, but I remember seeing a um, an advertisement for this, um, and it, I don't know if it was a billboard or if it was on the web or I don't know, but it was for the book, and it was um, a photo of a woman who had a mastectomy, and she was pregnant, and... Yeah. Um, in fact, I think in the Wall Street Journal, um, a, one of the reviewers said that they actually were walking down the street in New York, and yes. a, a, in fact, I think I have the quote here. It says, ambling along a New York street, a poster grabbed me by the throat, a young woman with a mastectomy scar and pregnant. Breast cancer is not a pink ribbon, it said, and of course, they are right. You know, yeah, there was. Yes, go the, ahead. The Scar Project Breast Cancer is Not a Pink Ribbon is so powerful. That is so powerful. So, how did you get to that as as a title or almost a rallying cry for this project? Yeah, it was. It, that was something that came along a little bit later. Let me say, I've never done this before. I've never. I had never had an exhibition. Uh, all my work is basically in, in the magazines or, or advertising. It's either editorial or advertising or perhaps a little bit of catalog. But I'm not really a photographer who goes putting up his own work in, in galleries and, and things like that. And I had certainly never done any type of, you know, uh, non-profit, uh, you know, thing like this. And... Um, at the time, I was uh, I was actually quite naive about how all of this works, and I just thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot a bunch of these, 
and I'm going to, I wanted no, no financial gain or any gain at all. I just wanted these, I could see the impact that they were having on, on everyone who saw them. And I just, I knew that they needed to be out there a little bit. And I, uh, I had originally contacted uh, Susan G. Komen, who is the, uh, the holder of the, uh, and the originator of the, the pink ribbon. Right. And uh, in my naivety, I, you know, I just called up, and they were familiar already with the, uh, with the SCAR project. And I basically said, listen, I'd love to do an exhibition, and you can be the beneficiary. You can have yeah. all the money. You, can, you invite all your people, or you put it out there on the web as a Susan G. Komen event, all the people... All your people can come, whatever money's raised. I said, you can have, you can have all of it. I said, I don't want anything from it. And the lady at the other end of the phone said to me, she said, yep, we can do that. I just need you to personally guarantee us $30,000 and I can take your credit card right now. Oh. And I, and I said, what? Wow. I, I was shocked. And I said, what do you mean you can take my credit card and for $30,000 right now? And she said, well, that guarantee of $30,000 allows you to use our name. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, what are, what are Susan G. Komen going to do for the SCAR project and for the exhibition? And she basically said, well, we're actually not going to do anything, but using our name, you'll be able to raise a lot of money. Oh, and I just said, uh, I was pretty speechless, and she was yeah. a little bit embarrassed, and uh, hung up the phone, and... The SCAR Project, Breast Cancer is Not a Pink Ribbon, was invented at that moment. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. That, I, was, I was very okay. naive. And, uh, and also, let me say, I, have, I am not, this, I am not, and the SCAR Project is absolutely not uh, against uh, Susan Komen or the Pink Ribbon in any way. They have done more for breast cancer awareness and fundraising and, and in every possible manner than the SCAR Project will do in a, in a billion lifetimes. And I, I, I don't want to denigrate the pink ribbon in, in any way. It's just, um, there is a, and, and we've had conversations about it, and, and I think we both see that they, some people will be moved to action by pink ribbon, and others yeah. will be moved to action by the SCAR project. Right. And I think they can, they can peacefully coexist, and, and, and they do. And I think also that uh, what I've come to find is a, a lot of women who have breast cancer really dislike the, the commerciality of, of the pink ribbon. Yeah, I think yeah. they find that it basically diminishes the public's perception of the disease. Yeah. You know, it's basically just this breast cancer is the way that we're allowed to see it. It's just this pink ribbon on a T-shirt, a pink right. ribbon on a coffee cup, a pink ribbon on a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken, of all things. You know, and that somehow is supposed to represent something that is basically mutilating and terrifying and ultimately uh, fatal for many, many, many people. Well, you know, I, I think it's, inter- it's been an interesting trend that has occurred in the last 20 or 30 years in our country where um, in order to bring awareness to something, um, you know, the symbol of a ribbon in different colors for the different um, specific causes has shown up and what initially started as simply raising awareness, I, I agree with you. I think it has 
um, translated into, well, if we only think about the ribbon, we don't have to think about the details. You know, if we yes. think about the um, the people who the the troops who are overseas who are missing in action or who are you know in Af- Afghanistan getting shot or you know whatever it is, um, we can feel. Um, you know, some elevated sense of, oh, you know, I, yeah, I feel for that. But we really don't have to look at the details, and we really don't have to face our own, um, our own devastation by looking yeah. at what's real, right? I mean, yes, and it's, it's yeah. funny you should mention that as well. I, that's actually my next project, the, the SCAR Project 2.0. It's called uh, The Unknown Soldier, and it's a series, oh. once again, of these very, very large portraits. And I just I want to interject here that um, the images, you, you've looked at them in, on the web, and yeah. uh, you, know, you see them 600 pixels across. Well, they were never meant to be viewed at 600 pixels. The images themselves are actually uh, around five feet across. And when they are kind of in this, on, you know, viewed in mass on a, in a big white gallery, it's, they're very imposing and uh, have a huge um, visceral impact on yeah. the viewer. Um, yeah. I, I know they're even quite, perhaps I'm just used to looking at them, but I, I know they're, they're even, they're quite strong and can be rather disturbing, even small on the web. But it's a whole other um, experience to see them the way they were in, in, intended and the way they're displayed in a, in a gallery. It's very, it's really powerful stuff. And the, the energy of the subjects really uh, pervades in a, in a really beautiful way, the, the room and, and all the viewers. And that, um, and then going back to the unknown soldier, this is once again a series of these large portraits, five feet across or so, of these very young men and women coming back from Afghanistan, Iraq, etc., with their arms and legs and faces yeah. blown off, and uh, where you can, you actually see the you actually see the devastation, you see the, the stumps, the remaining what's remained of their, you know. Of their limbs, yeah, and yeah. that's something we also rarely get to see, you know. Right. And because we don't want to see it, we're we're afraid of it, and it brings out all our our fears about. We can't help but project ourselves onto those people, as we should. Absolutely. And that's exactly why I'm shooting it, because we need to we need to kind of develop this um, this uh, a more humane and more human interaction with the world and take a little more responsibility for what we're doing out there and take more responsibility for how we interact with with the world and 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 the government and and take just responsibility for our actions just as human beings i think and see that these are people they're not just some faceless numbers that get sent away to you know off to war and once again they just just as just as the scar project isn't isn't really just about breast cancer, uh, the unknown soldiers isn't anti-war. It's not about yeah. war. It's just about humanity. Well, and you know, I I think that really being a student of the human condition, um, you know, I can I'm always fascinated with what repels us and what attracts us, and um, what's going on in our society globally. Our societies um, where we don't even 
want to know what can repel us. We only want to know what can attract us. And now we're making up things, um, you know, to to say these are the things that are t- that attract us, and making up. And it comes through the world of fashion. It comes through media. It comes through television, it comes in many different forms, but it's as if whatever is natural is just being pushed away. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was, I was just thinking that, you know, it's not so much that we don't want to see. We, people do want to see, and I think testimony to that, for instance, the SCAR Project was um, was featured on the front of America Online, which was very brave of them. And within four hours, there was over six million page views of these very... Yeah. People want to see this stuff. The media, the the popular media, I think, greatly underestimates the, the intellect, the maturity, the spiritual... Kind of evolution of the of, our, of the population, and they treat us like you know, like silly, unevolved children, and they just basically feed us crap, which is what you see on television. You get to watch Jersey Shore. You get to watch this inane, absurd, yeah. you know, television shows that were basically just force fed, and as if because they think it's safe, they think oh they'll they'll eat this up. But they don't really want to see as if we don't know what what's important. But I, I think they, the media underestimates the population, and I, people do want to see this. They they want to connect. You know, they they want to they want to connect with with humanity. It's you know we're, we're craving it. We're all craving this connection because it's been so lost. It's you know everyone's walking around texting on their telephones and iPads and has their headphones on and complete disconnect from yes. you know from life from humanity, and then they go home and they you know cry themselves to sleep and right. tons of depression and anxiety going on and everywhere in the world, especially in the West, we're so disconnected, so right. disconnected from each other. Well, and so, you know, the the irony is not lost on me that um, this show is um, you know, broadcast globally via the internet, and often um, the way people hear this show is they download it, they put their earphones on, and they listen to it either um, you know when they're working out or they're walking down the street or they're um, in their cars commuting, you know, and and it's this. I mean, that's. The good news and the bad news, right? You know, yeah. But, yeah, right. Yeah, it helps us to learn a lot, but we have to be intentional and selective about you know what we bring into our viewscape and, and to what we expose ourselves to. Well, David, yeah. we're going to talk more about this. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back. We're going to continue with David J. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. This is Leading Conversations, and we're speaking with David J. today, international fashion photographer and founder of The Scar Project. So, David, you know, we've talked about, you know, with the content of the SCAR Project and that, you know, kind of how you um, were inspired to, to move toward this and how it evolved. You know, I have heard you say that SCAR Project isn't really about breast cancer. What do you mean by that? Yeah, superficially, I, I think the, the first visceral impact is, oh, my God. Her breasts have been chopped off. But right after that, and so many people have said to me, I've been to, I I follow the the exhibitions traveling around the United States and and the world, and I often go to them. And I uh, am blessed that I get to speak to the people who are looking at it. And so often they say to me, you know, looking, you don't really look at the, at their breasts or, or, or lack of for, for more than a second. Mainly you just, you, you connect with, you connect with the, the woman. And right. they say, you know, she could be anyone walking down the street and you would never know. Right. And that's exactly the point, I, I think, of the SCAR project. It's not really about breast cancer. It is about, it's about encouraging a greater sense of compassion and a greater understanding and hopefully creating a greater connection with with the world around us. And, you know, as other thing is, especially here in New York and in, in so many cities and maybe everywhere, you see everyone walking down the street with their, with their head down and, you know, and their headphones on once again and really almost forcing this disconnection. They're... Their intention is to disconnect, and yeah. I think it's um, it, we're missing a, an incredibly valuable opportunity here in life. So often people say to me, "Oh gosh, I wish I could do something like the Scar Project. I want to do something, you know, something that will that will change things, something that will have an impact. I want to do something big." But people don't realize the biggest thing you can do is just look up. You know, literally engage the people around you. Just perhaps, God forbid, smile at, at someone. You know, look at someone in the eyes and stop staring at the ground in your own little private hell. And uh, because you don't know with that, that moment that you give someone, just that fleeting glance, uh, a smile in the eyes, you don't, you don't realize how desperately they, they may need it at that moment. And in that moment, you, you, you change the course of history. You really do. That moment may bring a, a moment of joy to that person who may be headed in a, a completely opposite direction. And just that moment maybe changes them for a moment, you know, a second. And that second is enough to, 
to affect the rest of their life, and then it affects their children. And you know, you, you literally you change history in, in in every moment that you're alive, and in every moment that every moment that you interact with, you know, the yeah. world around you, whether that be animal or people, and you know, this maybe spread a bit more love around, and yeah. I think that's ultimately that's what the Scar Project is about. Is 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 really this is encouraging a a deeper connection with 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 people and life in general and and the universe and just you know creating a beautiful energy and 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 just giving instead of taking all the time and you know instead of waiting for what what am I going to get out of this interaction maybe just give something you know maybe just a smile maybe just some nice thoughts. Right? Don't keep it all to yourself. Well, you know, that makes so much sense. And and I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I have high concern about um, how we are shaping our future um, through this lack of connect, this lack of relationship. I mean, I suppose we have connection and that, you know, that's what happens with the Internet and with texting, et cetera. We are connected although we aren't in relationship, we aren't relating. And um, that, I think, the human um, human element there is missing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, and that is what is so poignant about the photographs, is that the humanness is so yes. clear. There is just no way you can miss that. It, No matter whether they're in large format or... You know, they're, they're small on the screen. The humanness is so clear, and, and it's visceral, you know. It's visceral. Yes. You know, and, the... Uh, go ahead. No, I, and I think that's this... The humanity is what we're all searching for. We're all searching for this this connection with each other. You know, we're, we're all looking for love, and, you know, and but we spend our lives disconnected from it and becoming, as you said, becoming further and further disconnected and we're kind of only connected in this very virtual way. And it's just it's just not the same. It's just How not the same. How many women have have you photographed for this? Almost a almost a hundred. And, and, and uh, I, I I heard that there is a documentary called Bearing It All. And yes, that's um, and, and tell us about that. Yeah, that's a, a, a quite a beautiful documentary. I, I say that I didn't shoot it myself. It's uh, it's done by a filmmaker, uh, Patty Zagarella, and uh, she spent about no oh, two or almost three years, kind of following myself a little bit and the Scar Project, and primarily four of the four young subjects from the Scar Project, uh, following all of us around and having these very intimate conversations with the women. And it's a, a look into lives that you would never, ever see. And it's very, very honest and very raw. And I highly recommend people try to, uh, try to watch this documentary. As, as you said, it's called Bearing It All. And it was, uh, it was first aired on the Style Network in the States and is currently being aired all in countries all over the world. So, you know, check your local listings for it. It's uh, it's definitely a worthwhile uh, view, and it's quite moving. And I'm not saying that because I took the pictures. It's it's it, bearing it all isn't really about me at all. It's it's really just about life. Yeah, it's about life, 
And, you know, that's really what your work is about life. And and it's fascinating to me. Um, How has this impacted your view of your own life? Uh, I think it's just made me personally more and more aware of how deeply we affect each other and how simple it is to achieve this, you know, this, uh, achieve this love, I, I guess, that it's just become so obvious how desperately we need it. Yeah. And it's made me a, a much more open person, I suppose, and it's made me get out of my the way of my photography a little more as well. I think, and it's had a huge impact. I couldn't, I could go on for hours uh, how it's affected me. It's, uh, it's the Scar Project has certainly transcended my own life, you know, and it's been the greatest blessing in my life to have been allowed to shoot it. So is there, are there plans to do more photographs in this? Yeah, yeah, I'm actually still shooting the SCAR project, um, and I will continue to do so. Originally, uh, let me say, too, the SCAR project started as primarily a young woman's awareness-raising campaign because 99% of the media was focused on, you know, as most uh, most of us know, women, older women, uh, 40s, yes. 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. And uh, just in the States alone, I think it's 10,000 women a year are diagnosed under 40 years old and a, um, a huge increase in the amount in their even teens and 20s. I've shot numerous girls in their teens and 20s now and unfortunately, and I, I try to follow them all the way. Unfortunately, some of them, um, it's fatal for some of them. And I try to shoot them um, as they go through this entire process all the way up until the bittersweet end. And uh, in the beginning, I, the, the only criteria for the SCAR project being a young woman's awareness campaign was that the subjects be 40 and under. But then there were so many respondents, I moved it to 35 and under, and then 30 and under. And in the last couple of years or so, all the girls have been in their 20s, and now I'm basically just shooting the women who uh, are in their 20s and not necessarily surviving breast cancer. So it has become even more and more focused in a more visceral uh, way. Well, David, yeah. this is um, this is so profound. The work you're doing and such a gift to everyone. And I know that our listeners will want to know more. So, how can they learn more? Yes. All right. If uh, if you're interested in finding out a little more about the Scar Project, there is a website at www.thescarproject.org. And by the way, this is there is no commercial value at all in the Scar Project. I've basically financed the entirety of it out of my own pocket, prim- primarily because I I never wanted to compromise the integrity of the Scar Project by having any kind of financial um, benefits from it in any way. And uh, so you can go on the website there, and, and there's quite a few. There's about 30 of the images from the SCAR Project on the website. And uh, also Facebook. There's, uh, the SCAR Project has a Facebook page, and there's about 23,000 fans already, which is so we're off to kind of a, a nice start on that. Uh, also, yeah, bearing it all, the documentary, well worth watching if you can find it. There's a book that, called The SCAR Project, Bearing It All, which is a collection of about 50 of the the images, that's available on Amazon.com. And there's also, uh, each of the girls has written a, a little 
a little piece about whatever they wanted to say about themselves, and that's also in the book. And it's really quite powerful reading their personal words, and, you know, and looking at the pictures. So that's also recommended. If Fantastic. So. <laughs> that's great. Well, David, Jay, thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you here today on Leading Conversations. Oh, the thank book- you so much for having me, yeah. Uh, there's the book, The Scar Project, Breast Cancer is Not a Pink Ribbon. There are exhibitions around the world, and you can learn more about that at thescarproject.org. And more about David himself, davidjphotography.com. David, thanks again. That's right. And remember, everyone, to think big, because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.